0: Good evening. Today I'm talking to Jane Badrook, uh, a second time back under the microscope. Hiya, Jane, do you want to introduce yourself again and tell us a little bit about yourself? Um,
1: hi, yes, I'm um, I'm a writer, there's a big surprise, well, sort of writer, I claim to be a writer. I've just got my second book out, um, finally, after several years in the making, and i uh, I'm absolutely thrilled that it's out there. It's not quite out the way I would have liked, but um,
0: it's there and a few people even like it, which is absolutely wonderful. So I'm thrilled with that. Yeah, you're in a, a lot different position than you were the last time we spoke, aren't you?
1: <laughs> yes, that was, that was quite a nightmare. I mean, it was fantastic that um, uh, the book was published, in it's a sisterhood, and I'm still very proud of the book. Um, It didn't actually take off, unfortunately, but give it time. Sometimes books of slow burners. Uh, But yes, middle of lockdown and um, trying to do a launch. I was getting into the wildlife parks and being interviewed by people I didn't know in front of tigers and things. It's all very exciting, I suppose. But um, yeah, I I feel a lot more in control of, um, of what I'm doing now. Um, and you know, life has got a little bit easier, I think, for everybody now.
0: Um, and obviously, this has uh, been released through Question Mark Press,
1: which has been absolutely brilliant. Um, I found the the team and the people behind it absolutely stunning. I mean, to get some people to read the book before it goes live, as it were was a huge step forward for me and then as I say to find out that people actually liked it was was even better and and it, it is such a great team everyone's really you all go on messenger far too long and talk about things like, I don't engage with. better uh yeah you know, all credit to Jim for for having this brilliant idea and really you know it, it for me it was it was a lifeline really because it that you know, the group came along just at the right time for me when I was beginning to think my publisher's never going to get this book out, I've got to do something. And it just it's just worked. And the advice I've had and the, the, the support has been phenomenal. So,
0: so so thank
1: you, thank you, Jim and Matt and everybody else. It's been great. And you especially, Dolly, because you've worked your socks off for us. That's why I do
0: spine. <laughs> so Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about the book that was out today?
1: Comatose, yeah. Um, Comatose is sort of the story of my writing life. It's not the first book I wrote, but it's the one I took, I first took seriously. I wrote it before Sinister Sisterhood and I'd, I'd started to write for National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo. Um, and comatose came from an idea. I, I, I visit um, a beautician. My, my one vanity is to, to have a facial every every four weeks with the lovely Julia. Um, and I actually missed an appointment with her this weekend because I was in such a state. My soul was down and everything was a mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. Um, and someone cut me up on the road. And I went through a series of what ifs. And by the time I'd actually got to see Julia, I knew the outline of the story. And then I thought, well, let's see where this goes. And I started writing and and all these characters came along and the the story grew. And I thought, well, hang on, if you're in a coma, how can you be a witness? And I thought, well, actually, she's got her own story because she's got her own journey. She doesn't know where the hell she is. And she's in this sort of. not winterland uh, what's the word Uh, hinterland of of nowhere and she's trying to come back to consciousness so that's her journey and you've got in parallel with that a very tenacious copper who's convinced that's a crime and she's going through her journey as well because she she's a rookie cop she doesn't know what she's doing really she makes loads of mistakes but she's got tenacity on her side so I thought it's great to have the two parallel journeys really both these two people and I don't think I've ever read anything. I think I read "The Lovely Bones" a few years ago, and I think that's sort of in the mind of, of the girl that was murdered. Um, but I don't think I've read anything quite like that before. So I thought, well, that's quite different, an unusual take. Um, and then the people that were reading it online at the time in, back in 2013 um, seemed to really like it. Karen wasn't in it originally. And she just sort of poked her way in. Because I mean, other authors will say the same thing. Sometimes you get characters that, that just, they're in your ear. It's, you know, come on, i want to be in this. And as soon as I introduced Karen, people actually said, oh, we didn't know it was a Karen story, we like Karen. And, and because I've done another story with Karen, Comatose had to become the, the prequel, as it were. And so I built it up, built it up and worked on it didn't really submit it a lot, nearly got taken up by quite a big publisher um, after I'd done a writing course, so that that was quite, I did a six-week online writing course, I thought I'm going to take this writing seriously, I'm going to do that at least, and that I found quite useful, I'm not sure it was good value for money, but I met some terrific people on it, Um, Owen Egan and Diana Wilkinson, who I I think I've probably mentioned before, and we still will keep in touch. Um, and it did give me a bit of an understanding about what needs to go into a book to make people want to read it. And, and basically, you have to move the story on the whole time. Now, I've never thought of myself as writing page turners, but so many people have said it's a real page turner. So that's brilliant. That, that, that for me is a, a great company. So, you know, I'll, I'll credit the course for that. Um, So then it was nearly taken up by another publisher. They declined in the end. And then um, my previous publishers were talking about doing it and and nothing seemed to be happening. So I thought, right, well, let's bite the bullet. And I started actually sending it out to a couple of beta readers first because I hadn't really looked at it for two two or three years, including you. I think you read that version. Yep. And uh, people were quite positive about it, but too many characters people are still saying there are still too many characters my god they should have read the first version there are millions of characters I've made everything in there I think but that was a very good lesson so I've trimmed it down considerably and um and yeah so uh, Jim gave me brilliant advice which was I, I crafted the chapters to be sort of like three thousand around three thousand words each but he said no you want short chapters one more chapter one more chapter people keep reading brilliant advice so I, I changed that too in fact that's probably different from the first version you read um and yeah and then as I say people people seem to like it that's great and people I don't know seem to like it it's not like it was people being nice to me and saying yeah of course we're going to say we like your book but they re- <laughs> it really didn't seem to like it It's great
0: Yep, absolutely. I'm uh, in the process of rereading it because it has been a while and it has changed a lot, I think. So, but um, I've got till the blog tour, so (laughs) yeah, trying to keep on top of all my arcs, fears, kind (laughs) of thing. It's it's a whole
1: different world, isn't it? I I think back to the days because I'm trying. I'm I can't read anything at the moment. I'm finding that whenever I look at anything, I'm automatically trying to rewrite it the way I would do it, which is no, no use to anybody at all. And I get no enjoyment from it. I love beta reading. As, uh, as you found out, I, I quite enjoy doing that. <laughs> what I, I've been doing is reading some my older literature and I'm, I was, I'm trying to work my way through a human bondage. And I can actually visualize how that would be probably a second draft written on a typewriter. Because actually it's a classic book, but it's full of repetition and all sorts of things that in the modern day, you would be editing out all over the place. But then, you you know, you were doing a typewriter, if you were lucky, a typewriter or handwriting it and people were going through it and spent months getting put into print. So it's fascinating to read what are probably sort of second drafts, whereas these days you produce something. I mean, Comatose is, is, I think, draft 23. Something like that. Um, so, yeah, no, it's interesting. So I, I, I'm, I'm finding that quite amusing, but I haven't, I haven't got very far. I did read um, The Woman in White fairly recently, which I I started off thinking, my God, this is far too frilly and, and fussy. But after a while, you get into it and you see the characterisations of it and, and the, the atmosphere. That's what I wanted to capture because I'm trying to write a ghost story as well. Uh, and it's quite interesting. So I can, I can read much older literature now and get a lot out of it. But if I try and read anything of today, I'm, I'm just not going to do it anymore because it, it's just not worth it. I, interestingly, other authors have said similar things. And I think it's all to do with you're continually editing and editing and rewriting and rewriting. You can't look at a piece of script without thinking, no, I'm going to change this. So I think that's what's going on in my head.
0: So, yeah, I think there's been talk of comparison as well, um, thinking either yours isn't as good or the other way, I guess, <laughs> as what you're reading. So people don't like to, to, uh, to read similar. Yeah,
1: um, and the thing about, I don't think it is necessarily isn't as good or, or it's, how, it's how people react to something. And I can read something and think, and other people say, wow, that's wonderful. And and that's because we're all different and and we react to different things. I mean, one of my favourite bits in one of the reviews I got was how someone loved the relationship between Karen and Macy. And she actually said it was a joy to read. Well, I did work really hard on that. And to me, that was an important part of the story, how they got on. And so for someone to pick that up and really enjoy that and to mention it, I thought it was great. Um, but some of that, other people say, well, why are you bothering? Why, well, what's it matter if they've got that sort of relationship, you know? Um, different things
0: turn us on. Yep, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Your, I guess your main character is, the main, is a character in a coma, but also your, um, your cop. So if you were a character in Comatise, would you get on with, with them too? Uh,
1: I think there's a, there's a bit of Karen in me. Um, I'm not quite as blunt and I'm tenacious. I've certainly got that. I don't think I'd get on with her because I don't think I'd get on with me either, probably. Uh, I think we'd probably clash. (laughs) Um, Stella, yes, I'd probably be a little bit dazzled by by Stella. I think most people would be. Um, Would I get on with her? I don't know. I think I'd like John and I think I'd like Macy. I I think I'd I'd probably be better mates with them than Karen. Uh, Because someone said they didn't want Karen at all, whereas someone else said they they, they thought Karen's fantastic character, um, and and she, she's very flawed. I mean, my my brother in law who read a very early version um, kept coming up to me at um at, at my at a birthday party. I don't have many parties, and he he got very drunk. And he kept saying Karen sucks. So it's a good story, but Karen sucks, and he really hates her. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs>
0: I'm,
1: I'm telling him it's been published now, and I said Karen's changed. You really like. <I'm>, <laughs> but these, these characters just take on a life of their own sometimes I mean I've, I've seen lots of other authors say the same thing suddenly your character just does something that even you don't expect and I love that because it, it does feel like you, you know you're not like a little miniature god you've created a being someone that other people can relate to and that's phenomenal it's absolutely phenomenal when people get upset when you kill off characters and things like that it's, it's great because that means they're really engaged. I mean, it's not necessarily great because it's a horrible thing to do, but do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's such a kid as an author to think that you've moved somebody to that extent that they, they really identify with the, with the personalities in it. So, yeah, no, that's great.
0: <laughs> um, so this has been a long labour of love to actually get it published, so um, is it a relief, is it excitement, or both, to see it finally? Yeah. I, I had a real wobble
1: just about a year ago when I, I, I just thought, it's never gonna happen. And it felt like I'd put so, much, probably more effort into this book than anything else I've ever done um, in terms of writing and um and then so the publishers the publishers have never said they wouldn't do it they just weren't moving forward with it and I just got to the point where I thought no I've just got to do something and um so yeah so it's relief that there's a large part of me that is now completely content that it's done and it's out there and if people buy it and like it that's great if nothing else happens at least it's there and it's 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 out there and people might pick it up. You know, my my children who literally fall asleep as soon as I mention the word book, may one day actually think, oh, mum actually wrote a book and it's not that bad. I don't know, but it, yes, it's, it's done and it's there. I've never really expected to produce a, a bestseller or anything, um, but if I can get some work out there that will, you know, be read and, and enjoyed by people, then that, that's great. So yes, I was, getting very very stressed i think by the fact that nothing was happening with it and then initially trying to get it into shape and then mastering the technology because i've got a mac and it's, oh, it's like, a, like a bloody monster i'm looking at it now not at you it's like a bloody monster and it just sort of i can see already my errors all over the bloody screen because things that i've opened the hell to do with um so that's been a real journey and in the meantime also i've my husband has retired so that means I've taken over his study and that was a major move because he'd been sort of in this room for uh, 15 years and completely settled in it whereas I'd been in the tiny cupboard upstairs and, and it's a mess, it's mould probably mice and certainly spines and all sorts of things in here and then the furniture was rubbish, I had a tiny little desk that, that nothing would fit on so the whole thing has been upheaval but now I feel it's done. I've got my pictures up. I've got my calendars up. I've got my, my laptop, my bastard map. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Um, and all more things around this. This I haven't seen very much. You'll like this. Do, 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 do you know what this is? No. It's a Zelda sword. My kids um, bought it for me. I love Zelda. and They've got my name. Because... That was sort of tough. Okay. so I've got all these things out so oh, I'm feeling yeah I've got a calmness about me that I didn't have before now so yes so excitement and relief and and now yes I've moved forward it's a huge leap forward and yeah I feel on course again
0: Good. having spoken to you for quite a while it's nice to see uh, it's nice to see you come to us out but also to see you excited about it as well it's uh it's pretty cool (laughs) thanks um and i've known you for a while and you've got quite a lot of other books that either you haven't finished or you have so do you have quite a lot ready to bring out or are you going to work on something brand new
1: oh no i've got i've got quite a few and most of them have now been read so The sequel to comatose was actually written before comatose and and again i mean i like to do something different it's not a straight cry so with comatose we had the witness being part of the story even though she was in a coma three little girls is a cold case sort of ghost story so it's quite spooky because she gets involved with all sorts of weird sort of associations and, and people and, you know, um, old cultures and um, things that sort of used to be, a, uh, well, who are the people that, uh, do, oh, my mind's gone, um, druids, that's the name I was thinking, thinking of. So I've tapped into, you know, some, some old ancient things that might or might not have been going on. So that's quite interesting, and it's written so that, you can be completely sceptical, or if you want to embrace the unknown, you can do that too. And So that's only been read by a couple of people so far. Um, but basically it's, it's a road trip because Karen's father used to investigate cold cases, and she's forced into investigating some, and one of them is one of his, and so that's that's all she needs. And then she goes herring off around the country trying to investigate um, disappearances from um, the 60s. So that's quite the third one. Maybe I shouldn't talk about that yet because that's. But I've just recent, just recently revisited it. That I think will be a really tense, good one because all of them I think escalate. Because comatose, it's great that people love it, but um, there's nothing really horrible or gory in it. There's no serial killers and people being. Uh, killed in horrible ways or anything like that so people enjoy it without the shock factor that's great but the third book will be quite shocking and then the fourth book that's sort of off the scale but yeah also the new thing I've written since I last I last chapter I, I think I probably mentioned I wanted to do a ghost story so I wrote one and it just absolutely flowed um, it's probably a load of rubbish when I sit back and, and look at it. Um, but again, it, all, everything I write is normally based around something in my past or my memories. And this is sort of based around my grandparents' house in, in Appledore, which was partly ancient, so perfect for a, a sort of ghost story setting. So the, the house features very much in, in the setting. But um, once again, characters just came along. And, and there, there, there are wonderful passages of very dark, bleak, and then suddenly light when, you know, her, my main character's father comes into life. And suddenly he's he's a vibrant character who's probably slept with every woman in the bloody vicinity, because he's, you know, the lady man. But, and then you go back to the dark again. So, so that was really fascinating. Um, all the other stories I've written um, were sort of written um, again a few years ago. I, I think one I wrote, Obsession, which I've now revamped. That's quite an interesting one. That was sort of based on an extrapolation of a relationship I had when I was very young. And originally it was called Obsession. It's now called The Second Cut. And I brought it bang up to date. So even though it was written well, nearly 10 years ago, I think, um, is now into the lockdown period. So it's not about lockdown, but it refers to lockdown and it translates very well to the current time. But, yeah, there are at least two new – I mean, the the one I'm desperate to write um, is Vigilante or Vigilante um, because I'm getting so fed up with hearing stories about dog thefts and little louts and just people generally behaving really badly and I want this character and I've already written a short story and I think it's the same character who um who goes around just shooting and killing little louts and these like that <laughs> so, I, so that would be a brand new one so I like to balance them, but sometimes you go back to something you wrote years ago because all of these things I wrote expecting to try and get them published one day and they just sort of languished because I was working full time and then I wasn't. Um, And I think they've all got, they've all got legs. Um, So, so, but it's nice to do something completely new as well. But so the ghost story is completely new and that, that I will, I will definitely have another go at, um, see what, see what on earth I've written. Because sometimes you don't know you, as I've said to you, you, you can write something at the time, you think, oh, this is great. And then you look at it and she'll be like, what the hell is that about? <laughs> I'm <unaware> of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, it's a compulsion. Yeah, so uh, I, don't, I can't say I love writing because it's hard work. Well, the, the hard work is the technical stuff. But it is a compulsion. And as I say, I've, once I've got an idea in my head, I just have to go with it.
0: Uh, Do you have any genres that you you enjoy writing more than the other because you write a bit of everything? Um, Or is it just what you're writing at the time? is your favourite. Well, it, it, it is. I think
1: I get an idea and then the voices come and that tells me how I'm going to write something. Um, it, it's very really weird I don't know I, I maybe I'm obsessed by something. I don't know but um, I don't think I could write erotica or romance Those, I, I mean I, I do put a tiny bit of romance in things you know because I think that's part of life and you've got to have some, even Karen's got to have a bit of a sex life Macy she becomes Racy Macy in the next book <laughs> She's, she's she's a real party girl, basically.
0: Um,
1: but and, and sci-fi, I years and years ago, I, I I could read sci-fi. I don't think I can now. I mean, I've got um, a few ideas for um, a sort of more dystopian than sci-fi, I suppose. But whether I'll ever do anything with it, I don't know. So I, it's the idea. I suppose if I had a really good idea that I wanted to run with and it turned out to be a romance or a, no, I think, I can't ever see that happening, but a sci-fi. Yeah, almost. certainly dystopian. I think I could I could maybe go there, but I don't know. And and, and I've, as I said to you before, I've got his family history and really there's, I should write those stories too. Both my great-grandfather's got amazing stories and I should be writing that. Uh, especially now, today, they've discovered, what, hundreds of thousands of um, Commonwealth soldiers that were never recognised. Some didn't even have a name, you know, because um, they weren't considered worthy of uh, of, of mention. Um, and one of my great-grandfathers refers to um, a line of dead Indians in the First World War, and presumably no-one ever recognised them. Um, anyway, but yeah, so I've got too many ideas, not enough time.
0: <laughs> um, and speaking to you uh, all the time, I'm amazed by your own stories. So, would you ever consider writing an autobiography? Because you have some crazy stories.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah, they're not quite crazy enough, isn't it? I have thought about it, and it would be, I can't use it now because the title's probably under copyright but quite interesting life so nothing of a really mind-blowing has happened to me but all sorts of very bizarre small things (laughs) have happened to me or I've met people in strange circumstances and all the rest of it and and quite often it it takes something to um, to prompt me like a date or or so when, when Shirley Williams died not many of the group knew who she was But she was political royalty in her day. And I remember going to the same dentist that, I won't name, oh, can't name, I I had an issue with my tooth, I'll leave it there. And I had to go to another dentist. Anyway, I I went into the dentist and there she was, Shirley Williams. And they didn't know who she was. And I I literally did a little bow. And I said, oh, hello, nice to meet you. And and she was really really sweet, we had a nice little chat. yeah, she, she was very nice and then I read, read I, I actually haven't told you this one this is even more bizarre probably well no I don't know is it more bizarre um, I saw Harold Wilson not long before he died <laughs> uh, who'd have thought you know who Harold, Harold Wilson is yeah? Um, and it was when I worked in the city um, uh, I was uh, when I was working for I was a group financial controller of an investment uh, uh, a merchant bank and I worked in Tabernacle Street, and absolutely bizarrely, years later, I ended up working in the same building. It was very, very weird, but again, weird coincidence, feature in my life, that won't surprise you at all. <laughs> but it was very close to Wesleyan Chapel, and it was near Christmas, and, and they, were, they were having a carol concert during, in, the, in the afternoon, or even at lunchtime, so I went along. And there was Harold Wilson with his nurse being wheeled in in a wheelchair. And the guy who was sort of commentating was a newsreader who had, ah oh, I can't remember his name now, very red face, but he was there too. But yeah, how bizarre that, that in that office, I should work there twice, 10 years apart, for two completely different organisations. What was even more spooky, sorry, now I'm rambling, oh, I'm sorry, um, no, I love it. When I worked in the charities, when I worked for the bank, we had a very nice offices in Fitzharding Street, which is just sort of behind Wigmore Street. Um, and so I was quite senior. The bank went bust. It was not one of the best things that have happened to me. It completely wrecked my career. And then I went to work for charities. But when I was in the charity sector, I went to a charity conference at the headquarters of the bank. And, and it was a bit of British Heart Foundation. They're still there, I think. And not only that, I saw somebody there who I'd seen on the train every day for years who was also a charity finance director. And he was there too. It was it was like a collision of worlds, you know, all my life coming. And then we were sitting in the old chairman's room as it had become a conference room because it was far too big to be in to room. Very... And that's where I met the criminals when I was working at the bank. I must have told you about the criminals.
0: No, don't yeah? do
1: you. <laughs> Princess Diana's brother, at his wedding, was a chap called Darius Guppy. Now, Darius Guppy and his friend Ben Marsh defrauded an investment company that was effectively promoted by my bank so I was their accountant and they they were both banged up well jailed in the end because they defrauded Lloyd's out of um oh over a million pounds I think but yeah so Darius Gopi was and he was Darius not Darius if you called him Darius uh, Darius people Uh, he got very cross um and yeah and I, I, I knew both of them quite well um and I didn't know that they were fraudsters. Well, I guess they were fraudsters, but but my boss couldn't believe two such privileged young men could possibly be guilty of something like that. And I bought, bought his book, and the bugger like, didn't even mention me in it, even though I talked about all their accounts. And oh, Anyway, so, yes, yeah, so I've met some criminals as well. I've met some, there's some other, oh, yeah, I've met lots of interesting people. <laughs> Yeah, completely it's the it's it's, it's wife. Well, with charities, you, you know, you've got to meet quite interesting people as well. Um, there's a really, really strange one. Um, another coincidence. No, I think I've told you this before about meeting Lady, uh, Winston Churchill's daughter at, yes. at a function.
0: Yes.
1: I a mentioned that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you start me up on that, this is all you're for. Sorry. Right, ask me
0: something <laughs> You need to write a book about these. <laughs> It'd be so interesting.
1: Yes, but as I say, they're all they're all quite true. Like like this this house, and um, we really are where Henry VIII bred his rabbits. And I found I've dug up you know the stone head and, and weird things here. Yeah, it's like I don't know something's following me around saying look at this look at that and maybe most people just move through all this. I mean my husband never spots famous people or we recognizes people on the telly or takes videos of anything so maybe there's just something in me that spots these weird things um but yeah <laughs> maybe <laughs> I should write more yeah. down you're the only one that's ever been interested in that. <laughs> well,
0: I feel,
1: <laughs> But yeah, there have been some horrible things as well. I mean, like um, every New Year's Day, I, I remember a girl I worked with who was raped and murdered on New Year's Day. Every time I hear this song, New Year's Day, I remember Susan Gates. It was another charity, one of the second charities I ever worked for. Um, lovely girl, just told a bloke he wasn't interested, who, she was staying with her sister. He was it he was in Notting Hill before it became very famous um, she was staying with her sister a boy across across the way asked her out she said no so he just did what he did didn't run away waited for the police to catch him and she was screaming, she was screaming for two hours I read it, I read that in the papers a few weeks afterwards yeah so. But then there have been fun things as well. So I met Anna Blackman. Charity do. Linda Bellingham. Um, yeah, all sorts of people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there's no point asking you who the most famous person you've met is, who'd be here for ages.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably, probably to most people be Stephen Fry, I guess. Um, I did see Charles and Di once, fairly early on in the relationship, but not to speak to. <laughs> Although I have met Princess Margaret, and we did have one of the royals um, on our board meeting at one of the charities I work for. She complained about the water. She didn't. She, she wanted the ones, the things that you could just switch, like the bottles that you had to hit a little. I can't remember which one she was, so I can't be rude about her. But um, yeah, I, of I, course, I I mean, Princess Margaret. I, I said, I said to myself, I'm not going to curtsy. I'm not going to curtsy. You. <laughs> you can't help it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. Um, I'm not sort of pro or anti royal. Um, I think they, yeah, they have their their purpose. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't like. Um, I didn't want to curtsy, but I did. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> right, sorry. Ask me a sensible question.
0: <laughs> you're, now you're not working. Your life must be quite boring, isn't it? Or do you still manage to have adventures?
1: Oh, for God's sake! I have adventures every day. Um, to,
0: to be honest, I
1: this place. You have to come and see it one day. You're not that far away every day is a new a new trauma um, last year was the year of the garlic mustard now garlic mustard sounds rather nice doesn't it possibly garlic mm. mustard is a bastard weed that just took over my whole woods so I've got a small area of woodland which was completely overrun with nettles so the year before last I I blitzed the nettles i was out there spraying pulling digging weeding getting rid of all the bloody nettles because they then sort of creep into the pallets on the rest then there was a little bit of land at the end of ours that went up for sale and the guy who took that over was also very good and got started getting rid of his nettles so we had this joint effort to try and get rid of the nettles and so last spring i remember going out and saying oh no nettles and then this was like this sea of green. I thought, oh, it's grass. No, it was garlic, mustard. It's horrible. And it, it, if you pick it up a lot, it, you can smell the garlic on it. And it's, it's almost indestructible. And it's biennial. You know what that means. So you have to get rid of it tw- two years running. So I'm out again now spraying the woods to get rid of this stuff. And it was literally absolutely everywhere. So... The, the first year was it was the, it was the, the rabbits, the bastard rabbits. Sorry, um, <laughs> my old friends on Google Plus know all my rats about rabbits because they, they were just getting in everywhere and deer, but not nice, pretty little deer like the one I ran over. There's another story, <laughs> um, the jacks, ugly little buggers, and they bark. So at night, you're trying, yeah, you're trying to sleep, and you go urgh, 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 out the back when it's not the bloody owl that you want to chuck something at because every day is an adventure i've never bored, and as i say i've dug up weird things because our, our our land was originally well not originally was used by the raf the second world war and so every day i'm digging up old bottles i mean one of the most interesting things i found was a bottle of 1920s brill cream with Baker light lid it's still got some of the cream in it I haven't opened it um and I, I imagine that some some father gave it to his son so he could grease his hair before he went out and salty um I, I found baby sham bottles from 1951 and all sorts of things so so I have never ever ever been bored and even if I was I'd find some mischief somewhere and then we've got <laughs> I mean, they're not our horses, but um, we've, we've got paddocks. That I always hoped we'd have horses, but uh, my daughters never did it in the end. So we rent out the land. And, uh, and they're a joy and, and, a, and a curse. because I, I must have told you before, one of them died on Christmas morning. Must have told you that story. Can you imagine? Christmas morning, one of them wasn't very well, and then the other one dropped dead. What what, what do you do with it? Dead horse on Christmas morning. No, you can do. And the other one was standing over at Maine. Oh, awful, awful to watch. Um, People don't understand that animals really are sentient beings. They they have their own emotions and the rest of it. Um, So anyway, now we've got these two ex race horses, and they're they're a nightmare. (laughs) I to boss the other two around. They keep fighting. They're very pretty. I, I haven't bonded with them quite as well as I, I have with, with the, the, the one that died because I haven't been out in the paddocks quite so much as I have, but I'll, I will. Um, They've got a football out there, so I'll go and try and play football with them
0: now. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> so,
1: no, nothing. I'm, I'm never, ever, ever short of things to do. I mean, today, I mean, a few years ago, we this house which does feature in another of my stories I don't think you read the woods in summer used to be two little cottages the ancient cottages I think that were knocked together in the 70s very badly and made into one house and when we bought it you could still see the lines of the two houses so one had sort of concrete one had paving so i got the builders to pull up all the old crazy paving and put it on one side so we got a sort of nice little crazy paving area and then we got these nice slabs the other side one one of the builders was rubbish all of his pointing is sand and nothing else and so it all started to fall apart and get weed and all the rest of it so I spent the last few days we bought a new power washer and I've been out there like like something out of uh, Ghostbusters, <laughs> plastic magnifying <and> glasses, power <laughs> <the battle> washer, getting <laughs> okay, absolutely covered in shit. <laughs> so no, nothing is ever boring in my life. <laughs> it's very 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 hard work, actually. Everything I do seems to be hard work, and there's always a fence post gone or oh oh the horses have, gone through something or we've had a car through the fence because uh, I, I planted literally thousands of hedge plants and trees since we moved in and when I had, we had a car that actually took out about three four meters of them and and, and stayed there because the car was stuck in the barbed wire so we couldn't actually get out again and run away like a lot of them do but that was sort of eight years worth of growth taken in, out in 30 seconds and and it's heartbreaking because you know because the years I took to grow them and water them, get water out there and uh,
0: yeah. Ask me something else. You may base you find any time to write. <laughs> when I
1: got into a routine, which I'm not in at the moment, but when I did, I would be out sort of from eight in the morning till about four. Then, then I'd have my evening bath because <laughs> I'd be muddy and <laughs> filthy. <laughs> and then I would write until I had to make tea. So that well, was a very good routine. But because my husband's now retired and, you know, well, he doesn't know what he's doing. And we're, we're, going, we're sorting through the whole house because we've got years' worth of kids' stuff. To, to try and get rid of um, and his old work stuff so I've been having massive bonfires burning all the old confidential papers and things like that. actually I did find something else that, that is another inspiration we used to have nannies I, I was never very good with children I had three of them I don't know <laughs> I have no idea how that happened but um um because I, I I was always career when I, I was working so we had nannies and my husband found the nannies file in the garage <laughs> and I thought
0: that's a horror
1: story, village nannies, because it was a nightmare. I mean, they talked about us, and because we lived in a small village, the villagers knew the nannies, and so all the villagers knew our business. And then, and the, one of them had two boyfriends, both called Richard—Richard Richard the First, Richard the Second—when she was meant to be looking after our son. One, one of them used to actually cook teas for all the villagers' kids. She's running a business for our house. <laughs> Another one stole some of our records. <laughs> <gasps> yeah. new no, one. Yeah, I have had quite an interesting life.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, you need to write an autobiography.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But who buy it? I don't know. So it's not quite, um, I think. Uh, maybe writing stories based upon some of those experiences would be more. But but having said that, um, I do occasionally weave things into the books. So for instance, um, a a friend of mine from the Google Plus days, um, lives in Chesterfield, and I lived in Chesterfield when I was little for a a very short time. And we went to Padley Gorge, and she posted a picture of somewhere in Padley Gorge. And in my book, I've got Stella remembering Padley Gorge is one of her first memories where she was born and this happened to me I, I when I was about seven or eight I think I, I jumped into a swimming pool it caught my foot on the bar around the edge and bruised it very badly and I couldn't walk for about six weeks and my parents took me to Padley i was actually taken around on a scooter a lot of the time which is stupid for me thinking about it. now it wasn't broken or anything I don't know why they did that but we went to Padley Gorge, and I remember putting my feet in the in the cold water, and the cold made me move my foot. And all of a sudden, I was absolutely fine, and so I've given Stella that memory of Padley Gorge. And I think this is where some of the voices come from because I can remember how people talked when I lived up there, and my grandparents. Well, I had two sets of grandparents. Um, the the other one set were from Manchester. So, because a, a few people have said that the, the couple keep talk, calling each other mother and father all the time because that's what they do. Hey, mother, what are you doing? And to me, that's just how they speak. But other people find that confusing. Whereas some people said, yes, it, it's accurate, but this is how the, the characters, the voices in my head, talk, and so
0: that's how I write them. Um post lockdown, which hopefully is soon, you have one country you can visit, one concert you can go to, and then any other event, what are you gonna do? What I've always
1: wanted to do properly is go around um, Great Britain properly. We've we've seen a lot of it. I say Great Britain, I, I mean the Scottish islands as well. Years When I was pregnant with my son, we, we, we wanted to go to Skye, but we I, never mind the ferry, I was car sick. I can, I can remember saying to my husband, stop the car, going to be sick. Oh, don't be so stupid. Stop the car, I'm going to be sick. Don't be sick. stop the car. <laughs> <laughs> that's really a really watch. Anyway, we got as far as the, the, the ferry and, and it, was, it was too windy, so we couldn't go. So we've never been to Skye. <clears throat> we have been to Scar Ray, which was amazing. But I really would like to just take time out and, and drive around the whole of the, the coastline one day. Uh, so whether we can do that in uh, post-Lockland, I don't know. Um, so I've got lots of that because my son's moving, emigrating, or emigrating, moving to Belfast soon. the daughter's expecting another another child. Uh, <laughs> So there's lots going on as well, so I don't want it. Concerts. We had lined up a couple that have been cancelled now. I mean, I love the Who. Um, Alice is a given, but um, we were going to see a Who concert, and that's been cancelled. Um, we were going to see a. Have you heard of the Bonzo Dog our band? Probably not. <laughs> you might know I'm the Urban Spaceman Baby. Didn't I? No, 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 never mind. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, that's cancelled too. Um, There was sort of a musical forerunner of Monty Python. Uh, So I I don't know. I don't know. My husband's quite good at picking good shows to go to. So um, we used to go to theatre. I haven't done that for ages. So um, he'll probably pick something. But who who would I like to see now? I don't know lots of people I mean we had tickets for Michael Jackson the one the concerts that he he died you know just before Uh, we did see Prince which is good Um, I don't know but some of the concerts we've been to have been really surprising like um, Cher Cher was wonderful (laughs) she she came in dressed as an elephant at one point (laughs) and she just she just sings do you know what I mean no mucking around we saw Madora a few years ago. And she was very slick, but she didn't have the heart. Whereas Cher was just wonderful. You just, you just all everybody fell in love with us. She was just so good. So I don't know. So, so that's I've not answered two of those
0: questions. What was the third one? Um, any other event of your choice? Um. Oh, what would I want
1: to do? Yeah, um, go dancing. Husband and I are very good dad and mum dancers. But we we used to, you know, hold the floor all the time, rub it. Absolutely right. He, he actually dances really, really badly, but so spectacularly badly that people stand and, and they actually get in a circle around him and clap. And he's awful and it embarrasses me all the time. <laughs> in fact, um, we did go to... Have you heard of Ledley King? Yes? Yeah. We went to his wedding right because my husband organized the his testimonial and he features in the bloody wedding video doing his stupid dance (laughs) very very briefly I'm nowhere to be seen but there he is surrounded by all these wags doing his silly dance (laughs) Um, how do I get on how the hell did I get on for that uh yeah so it'd be nice to go for dance we used to go to a few charity balls and things years ago and then there's just been nothing for ages um can't remember the last the last party we were we've been to a few family parties but a long time ago now so yeah so something dancing would be good
0: um are you you planning on going to any other book festivals
1: well are they going to happen i don't know because a friend of mine um, and I talked vaguely about going to Harrogate. Is that happening? I think it so. It is. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. The trouble is so far away. I don't think I could I could drive myself and I'm not sure I could trust my husband to not kill the cat. I mean I don't mean deliberately. He wouldn't do it deliberately, but sort of whether he'd actually feed him or not, and he won't come because he's not interested in books at all. He vaguely knows I've got a book out. But that's about it. Um, No, she had no interest at all, anything like that. Um, So I don't know, I love the idea of it. I like the idea of this this one next year potentially. Um, Because in the old days, both in finance and in charities, I I would regularly go to conferences and things. Sure, who? Absolutely sex maniacs, all of them. I I was at one, this is another story, I suppose. I think it was Birmingham it was a charity it wasn't the accountants conference because like for a while I straddled two roles and I was doing fundraising sort of support as well and it was a fundraising conference and they had a fire alarm in the middle of the night and my god the activity in the corridor oh people running back into, <laughs> into a room like, like <laughs> <three>. <laughs> <laughs> there's another memory so you brought that one up <laughs> um, so I, 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 generally speaking I, I don't have to look at things, things come along that, that um, amuse or entertain me so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and who was your first celebrity crush? <sighs>
1: I suppose, well, I wouldn't, mm, yeah, Robert Redford, I suppose. Um, I saw Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and I was absolutely hooked on that film. I saw it 13 times. I used to know it verbatim, and I used to watch it every time, hoping the end would be different. And it never was and on a good day in the right lighting if you change black hair for blonde my husband looked a little bit like rob redford <laughs> um and funny enough one of my friends aunties met him now i didn't obviously um but she it was her aunt, i think yeah and and she was she'd just gone to get an ice cream or something and she him and she said something other, and he said, "Yes, ma'am, y- your ice cream's in your handbag." <laughs> she literally. <laughs> <laughs> wore an ice cream her handbag. <laughs> Which reminds me, I did meet Goldie Horn once too. Um, she, I was working at. A, uh, it's another story. How, how, how am I how am I going on? I worked for a small, very small travel agent in Shepherd Market. And Shepherd Market was infamous for prostitutes, high-class prostitutes, and Jeffrey Archer, the Jeffrey Archer scandal. So I, I heard the story from the girls. They you know, because they would come, that's how they get rid of their cash, they buy holidays and things. Um, and I I never met Monica Coghlan, although I I'm I, it was awful that she was killed and he he sort of got away with it really. Um but um I I knew some of the other girls anyway one day Goldie Horn just walked in. Um I mean as yeah oh oh my god it's Goldie Horn. And we couldn't help her, but but, how the hell did I get onto that? Um sorry, what was your question again? (laughs) I don't remember. (laughs) Oh Celebrity Craft. Celebrity Craft. So I have the only other one I'll admit to, because um, I I don't really get crushes, um, Richard Armitage. Oh, yes, that was a crush. And I could have touched him. We went to see The Crucible um, at the, the, the Young Rick a few years ago. And we were sitting right there. Yeah, and I could, had I been shameless enough, I could have actually grabbed him as he went past. But I didn't do that. Um, I, yes, he was in the um, Robin Hood series, and he was um, he was the villain. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, I, I kept lecturing Marion. What? Why are you messing around with this wimp of Robin Hood when you've got this hunk who <laughs> is so much sexier than bloody Robin Hood? but
0: there you go so yes uh, he's a bit of a crush <laughs> <laughs> um, so are you working on anything at the moment and um, what is coming next
1: well what is coming next hopefully is um the ice maiden which is you have read that i don't think you liked it very much but you uh, you've read that. other people like it <laughs> Um, and it's again it's very because I do like experimenting a bit it's very um, it takes a bit of everyone's that's read it says it's taking it takes a while to get used to but when you're in it you're really in it and I know some people really really loved it and it's a very dynamic but you're literally living in the head of this young girl who's approaching her 21st birthday her mother has just died but she's before her mother died, she's had recollections of dreams that her mother seems to have reacted to. And it's dreams and visions of a young woman falling to her death from a a block of flats. And she's trying to find out who she is and who the girl is and what's the connection. And the whole thing is, is just seen from all you get is her thoughts, her, view it because I've I've read a few for I've written a few first person narratives and they're a little bit pedestrian and that I undid this I I did that I walked over here I did that this one is oh my god what's that who's that what's he doing and uh, so you're really living this girl's head and people have said to me it feels like you're in her head and that was exactly what I was aiming for and some people won't like that and, and other people were really take to it very well. Um, it, it's sort of thing where one of them, I had an American beat because I'm not American beat who, who read this and loved it. She, she didn't understand what Marmite was which is hysterically funny. She thought tucking into Marmite was a sexual term. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she said that every, every thought she'd had I'd anticipated. So she thought it must be this it must be that. And that was exactly how it was meant to be written and so so that hopefully will come out and I'm working on a a cover for that now that hopefully will be it's going to um one of the editors or should be with the editor one of the editors now Um, so that'll be interesting to see what they think of it but I've had some interesting reactions to that and then I'll have to go back to three little girls I think it depends if if people sort of clamor for more Karen after comatose then three little girls I think will will deliver and that's that's reasonably complete um it's, it needs work um but the, the story is there. it's just a matter of fine-tuning it now I think um and then um and I don't know because I've got so many others I might even write you on in between uh it I'm getting organized here now um so Once I've got the space working, and once I've done everything I can outside, and we've sorted the garage and uh, the kids and the the cousin's car that's been dumped here, and and sorted out the fencing and all the rest of it, then yes, I I'll probably do a new one as well. And I've I've still got domestic abyss, the really disgusting one that I really (laughs) (laughs) not.
0: Yeah, you like that, (laughs) yeah. To randomly get a message. That was at night as well. it was inspired
1: entirely by my husband's pubes because I was hoovering his pubes up from the bathroom floor and thinking, yeah, I'm, 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 I was trained to be an accountant, I'm a writer, I, I shouldn't be hoovering up his pubes. <laughs> but yeah. I'm never going to run out of ideas. I'm going to run out of life, I think, before I run out of ideas. (laughs)
0: That's my big worry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I don't have any more questions for you, unless you think there's anything that I haven't asked that you want to tell us.
1: I I, I probably (laughs) damned myself for it. Uh, No, I I can't think of anything else. Um, I'm just... Please, uh, I hope people will buy the book and hope they'll enjoy it. Um, and um, yeah, they'll. I hope they'll look for a couple of people have said they'll be looking out for more stories from this author, which is which is great. And I will um, be there to deliver. I hope.
0: <laughs> yep, and I'll be there to tell everybody when and where.
1: Yeah, and thank, you. and thank you. Honestly, you do do such a good job for us all. Um, it, it's amazing, and you. Take time out for yourself as well.
0: Yes, boss.
1: <laughs> <laughs>